Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rural Spark, the podcast exploring rural innovation in Canada, both social and economic. I'm your host, Helen Murphy. There's a gap in this country that's holding rural communities back. It's a technology gap, a digital divide that makes businesses choose not to invest, limits productivity, and hinders the retention of young people in rural communities. In late 2016, the CRTC declared broadband internet a basic telecommunications service. Prior to that, only landline service was considered an essential service by the CRTC. But today, many rural and remote communities still lack the high-quality broadband and wireless services needed to fully take part in the digital economy. The lack of digital capacity also limits quality of life restricting access to a broad range of government and social services, as well as the people connections that help us all thrive. Promises and investments have been made, but the gap remains. And today, an estimated 2 million Canadians still can't access a reliable internet connection. This is a topic we plan to revisit from time to time on Rural Spark because it's so important. And this week, we've invited Wayne Kelly of the Rural Development Institute at Brandon University to join the discussion. Good morning, Wayne, and welcome to Rural Spark. Hi, thank you very much. Um, Wayne, I, I came across your information as part of the uh, Rural Development Institute and uh, and that work at Brandon University. Can you tell me a little bit uh, about what the institute is and, and what you do there? So the Rural Development Institute is a research center in rural Manitoba and Brandon, Manitoba, and they focus on doing applied research on rural issues rural priorities and rural policy. And some of our key areas of focus include rural immigration, economic development and innovation, and rural broadband. And so for my role here, I've done several roles at the Rural Development Institute, including lead research, uh, support research, managed projects. And right now I'm actually managing one of our larger rural policy projects. That's the Rural Policy Learning Commons. It's an international partnership project, which is looking at sharing knowledge and building capacity around rural policy in Canada, in the U.S., Mexico, and in key countries across Europe as well. Terrific. It sounds like there's a number of topics in there that we can pull out for uh, future episodes of Rural Spark. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. And you are from rural Canada, uh, the West, as I understand it. And, and so you've kind of built a career with reflecting your interests in rural Canadian uh, sustainability and innovation, and including your educational journey. So can you tell me about a little bit about your personal development in career and education? I grew up in rural in northern Manitoba. I was a 4-H kid. I, you know, I raised, raised cows to show. And then I decided to go to school in Brandon University. Um, a smaller town rather than heading to Winnipeg, Manitoba, where a lot of my friends and peers went. And I've always just enjoyed the smaller communities and, and rural areas. And in around 2000, I ended up working for some friends, actually, that were doing a small R&D company. And they were focusing on bringing web solutions to businesses, organizations, and communities. And one of the things that really piqued my interest when I started working with them was in rural areas one of the major challenges was this thing that was called the digital divide, which back in 2000, 2001 was, was a fairly new concept in rural Manitoba. And that was looking at the gap, if you will, in terms of infrastructure and internet connectivity between urban and rural communities. And that was something that was really pretty much a barrier issue 
when we were working with online solutions for rural communities. And it was, it was twofold. Not only did the rural communities not have access to the same quality of internet, but they weren't always aware of what they could do with the internet. So we would often have conversations in rural communities around why was internet access important. And again, this was back in, you know, early 2000s. So that really piqued my interest in how digital technologies can help with rural development. And from there, I went on to do a master's in rural development. And then I started working at the Rural Development Institute, looking further into research topics around, you know, how are communities using rural technologies and Finally, I've, I'm working on my PhD as well in, in digital technologies. And specifically what I'm interested in is how can rural communities better use digital technologies? The connectivity and access is a, an absolutely critical and an ongoing issue for rural communities, but it's that second gap that is sort of really relevant, I think. So once you have access to the internet, how are you using it? That's what's absolutely critical before you can start realizing the benefits of internet access. And rural communities, unfortunately, are behind their, their urban neighbors in both of those fronts, both in access and how they're using um, that, those technologies once they get access to it. So we do hear a lot on the access front about, you know, um, government investments and initiatives and promises and, and also lobbying to, to have more action. But when it comes that maybe a community does get connectivity is when you talk about the gap in terms of how rural communities are using the technology, is it an education gap? Is there a lack of education and training that we might have in uh, urban centers? There's a, a couple of issues that so come up. So part of it is education and capacity both at the local level as well as with organizations working with those rural communities. So if a community gets online, there's unfortunately, there's a bit of a, a field of dreams approach, you know, the whole build it and they will come um, idea to, to rural broadband. So as soon as we can light the fiber or get you connected, all your problems are solved as sort of the, the presumption for rural communities. That's just the very first step. Effective internet use or effective digital technology use is really has sort of three really core steps. That's connectivity, building the skills, and then building a culture of use. And we get really focused on the first one, which is an absolutely critical piece, connectivity. I mean, you have to start there and commu rural communities absolutely need support and need to focus on this. But that's not the end of, that's not the end of the discussion and that's not the end goal for using digital technologies. So yes, you really do have to focus on, on building the capacity and building the understanding of what digital technologies can do for rural communities and how do you actually start implementing that culture and implementing that skill building. When we, if we go back to the um, accessibility, uh, you know, where some communities just don't have the capacity, uh, they don't have the technology available. How big is that problem? How big is it the problem that communities and, and including uh, businesses in rural areas just can't get the uh, digital access they need? Well, to Put in perspective, are you familiar with the CRTC's sort of new standard and criteria for, for broadband connectivity, the 50 megabits down, the 10 megabits up, and the unlimited data? Yes. Now, this is a, a goal that we're working towards, is it not? Absolutely. So that's, that's a goal that was established by the CRTC in 2016. And just to give you some context, that actually puts us sort of middle of the pack globally. Before that, we were way at the end of the of the line in terms of developed countries and having quality targets for our internet connectivity. This was a huge jump. It went from five megabits to 50 megabits in terms of download speed. So a tenfold jump. But again, 
that's been, we've had that five, we had that five megabit goal for about 15, 16 years. Whereas the rest of the developed world is sort of keeps progressing every two, three, four years, they'll update their targets. And so 50 megabits is sort of smack in the middle. Lots of countries are, are sort of shooting for hundred megabits now. So that's, that's a very helpful target. And if we use that target and we can sort of look at how rural communities and urban communities are faring, um, the CRTC just put out a report last month, um, their, their annual communications monitoring report. And it shows that the gap really starts to become prominent in rural communities after around 25 megabits per second download. So, you know, you see a gap um, by the time we're looking at 50 megabits per second, which is sort of the new baseline standard that CRTC has established, you know, rural areas only have around 40% access or only about 40% of households in rural areas have access to that level of internet service. Whereas in urban centers, it's almost 100%. So it's a very significant gap when you're talking about quality broadband connections. Our listeners would hear from time to time of announcements uh, and investments around rural broadband uh, uh, technologies and of course promises around rural broadband. Do you see that? And again, we might wonder why the problem seems to be continuing uh, in light of such investments and promises. Do you see that we are making progress and is it just going too slow? Yes, it, it is definitely going too slow. We're making small amounts of progress. So again, looking back at the CRTC's own reports between 2016 and 2017, there was no growth in that sort of 50 plus megabit connections in rural areas. There was small growth in the 10 to 25 megabit per second sort of accessibility in rural communities. One of the challenges is that in many rural areas across Canada, you run into issues of market failure. There's just not enough people to drive sort of uh, market demand for that level of service. And so it's really difficult for for-profit companies to justify delivering those types of, of services or to upgrade infrastructure if, it, if that's needed in rural areas. So the government is continually having to incentivize and subsidize some of those investments. Do you hear from businesses yourself in your work sometimes, Wayne, in terms of how they're held back and or maybe when they do get the technologies, how businesses are actually able to grow in rural Canada? Yeah, and you'll hear lots of stories about whether businesses, you know, things like they can't share files effectively. And if it's if if they're a company like graphic designers and they have large enough files that they need to move, they you know, they still um, it might be more effective for them to actually drive to an urban center with a memory stick and upload it at a, a library or something than it is to use their own connectivity in a rural center. And then we have heard the other way, too, that uh, people don't realize what they were missing out. You know, I remember working with a small community and, and one of the, the counselors was talking about he was responsible for maintaining their website. And something that used to take all day to, you know, upload documents and pictures. And so he had set it up and he'd walk away and he'd come back in a couple hours and check on it and keep coming back. They just upgraded their own connectivity on their own without any support. And now with, you know, they actually have fiber to the home. And now he says it's, you know, this, what used to take a day is now taking seconds. So we don't really realize sort of the efficiencies that we've gained in urban areas as our internet has continued to improve and continue to improve. What we have to remember is that as the internet um, has continued to grow and expand, the amount of data 
that we're using on it continues to expand as well. And even something simple like emailing, where it used to be a couple of kilobytes when you send a text email back and forth, or maybe you're attaching a very small document. Now emails are consistently, you know, megabytes. Even some people are trying to send gigabytes or they're using cloud sharing. And, and you can't do that in, in small communities when you don't have good access. So we really don't know what the potential impact could be if we get this right for rural Canada in terms of, you know, a, a business leader having to spend hours looking after this problem or drive to other centers. And suddenly that time is made available for business uh, innovation and growth. Absolutely. I mean, quality Internet connectivity is is pretty much um, an essential now for, for businesses and being able to do online transactions is fairly essential for businesses as well. Whether you're in the retail sector or manufacturing, doesn't matter. You need to be able to share your products, sell your products online. If you really want to reach a global marketplace, that needs to be a service that you can offer. So on that front alone, the impacts of not having quality broadband is huge for rural communities and rural businesses. There's a whole other social aspect and quality of life aspect as well for rural communities too that I don't think is, is well understood or explored. Do you think, Wayne, that other countries maybe have some good practices, promising practices that Canada should look at in terms of getting this right? Are we, are we not on par with some other countries in addressing the rural technology uh, challenges? There's definitely things that we can learn from other countries. We've we've made some progress recently, having you know having the CRTC set a target as a as a huge first step. Um, I think it's starting to help people realize both one how slow our progress is going and and two how that compares to other countries with national broadband strategies. I mean that's typically been seen in other countries as an absolute minimum first step is you have to establish sort of national targets because it's so hard to not only measure progress but even create momentum or or movement if you don't have something you're you're sort of shooting towards. The other issue is that in other countries, government has has really taken this on, especially for rural and remote areas, and understanding that this isn't a market solution is not going to happen on its own for many of these areas. And they'll be creative in terms of how they work with providers, you know, whether it's the government putting in the backbone and providers come in and cover the last mile, whether the government is actually putting in all the infrastructure and then working with the private sector to to do some of the service delivery over the internet or whether the governments are providing support for communities or rural regions to do do all of these things on their own again viewing broadband connectivity as an essential service just like CRTC has stated it's right in line now with water and hydro in terms of as a and and roads as a fundamental infrastructure for rural communities and do we think that there's an urgency right now, Wayne, to getting this right in terms of it's something that Canada has to address, you know, more powerfully in the next year or so and not in terms of something we're going to do three, four, five years down the road? I think this is something we have to move on immediately and keep moving on. And one of the challenges really with rural broadband and that makes it hard for governments is that unlike rural hydro lines or water, the upkeep and sort of the, the transition in technology is fairly constant. And so you might put in a road and you might need to repair it every, you know, 10 years and replace it every, you know, 20, 30 years, depending on uh, the, the infrastructure you install. Whereas for telecommunications, um, some of this technology changes very rapidly and, and the growth in terms of its use creates bigger demands. That doesn't mean we shouldn't be trying to, to address it immediately. 
one of the challenges for rural communities is that the longer it takes, the bigger that gap is in terms of both the connectivity and the use of that, those digital technologies. So every, every year, every six months that communities are left waiting is another chance and not, it's not a chance. It's, it's another six months of growth in that divide between rural and urban communities. And so the, the problem actually could get bigger and more expensive the longer we wait. Absolutely. It's a, a growing issue and it, it trickles over into other factors as well. I mean, one of the, one of the other areas I do a lot of work in is sort of youth retention and out migration. Well, broadband access and connectivity is absolutely essential for, for youth. You know, it's, it's a starting point for them to consider staying in rural communities for most youth. Um, they need to be able to, to access the internet, quality internet, and whether it's for working online, online education, or for socializing, communication, engaging with their communities. Those are, you know, the internet is such a, a critical infrastructure across society now. So youth out migration, a business attraction. I know, especially larger companies, they, they won't even consider communities that don't have high-speed internet. And communities don't even hear that they're not being considered because you know, one of the first things they do is look at connectivity availability in those communities, and then they move on and have those conversations with economic development officers or council members in communities that do have good connectivity. So there's a lot of, lot of opportunity costs here from not having good quality internet in rural communities. Right. And I do see a lot of advocacy happening on this file in Ottawa with the federal government in terms of uh, its upcoming budget 2019. It is a priority, for example, for the uh, Federation of Canadian Municipalities, and I see it's also a priority for the Forest Product uh, Association. Are you optimistic that government, uh, that the political will is there to actually do more in the short term to, uh, to address the problem? It's, it's definitely going in the right direction. You know what, there's been a lot more conversation around rural broadband in the last two years since the CRTC made that announcement than there had been in maybe five, 10 years before that. So it really is promising in terms of the amount of awareness that's building about the importance of rural broadband. And then you have some really sort of promising recent outcomes as well. So whether it's the new Minister of Rural Development who has made connectivity an absolute pillar of, of her development approach, which is fantastic. Um, and that's really exciting. And I'm, I'm hoping that they're able to move and move on that and continue to include connectivity as a, a key aspect in all rural development pieces. And then the minister of, I said, industry, science, education, and development, his recent comment that the CRTC has not been doing enough to further connectivity in rural areas. And so when you have the federal government is now both creating ministers who have mandates related to rural connectivity. And then you have other, you know, ministers of infrastructure that are saying to their organizations and to, to other government entities that, you know, this is a problem that needs to be solved and we need to do it now. That's very promising. Again, it's still, there's Canada's a huge country. It's going to take a while to address this across Canada. And we'll need to see sort of the outcomes starting to happen soon for, for us to sort of build on that progress. And on that note, Wayne, I'm wondering if you feel, is there is there more that rural communities themselves can do to get involved with this issue and to encourage more action to be taken? Yeah, and I think maybe some three initial steps might be really helpful. One is to continue to raise this issue with their elected officials, both provincially and federally, with their municipal organizations. Here in Manitoba, it's sort of AMM, 
the Association of Manitoba Municipalities. You mentioned FCM. They've been a fantastic advocate for rural connectivity. So continuing to both raise the issue with them and support them as they bring up the issue, that, that's a really key piece. And that's a first step that rural communities will need to do. They need to make sure that people continue to see how critical this issue is. A second step will be for them to explore opportunities and alternatives for developing their own connectivity. So I work, worked with the rural municipality of Hamiota to do some research in terms of how are they doing, uh, how are they using digital technologies. They just recently rolled out fiber to the home on their own, both in town and to, and then fixed wireless of about 100 megabits per second to the surrounding rural area. So that was an initiative that they took on their own. And you're seeing these examples pop up sort of across Canada, whether it's Olds, Alberta, or I know Revelstoke, I've heard Revelstoke is starting to look at connectivity as well. Unfortunately, they're still the exceptions and not the rule, but there are ways that small communities can develop their own connectivity solutions. And there's some, some great resources out there for them. And the third thing I think that rural communities need to do is sort of continue to create demand, not just by raising the issue, but by focusing on what people are doing with the internet connectivity they already have and not waiting for sort of that high speed, you know, gigabit service to get turned on before they start thinking about how are we going to use this, but actually starting to use it to the fullest extent that they can with the service that they already have. So whether that's supporting online learning, developing online um, support for digital entrepreneurship, um, I think are really key one in rural communities is to support youth in tech clubs and coding clubs and makerspaces. Um, all of, a lot of that can happen with minimal internet connectivity so that they can do a lot of building capacity in this culture of digital technology use with the con connections that they have. And then when they get better connections, it'll continue to flourish. I think those, those are three sort of key things that, that rural communities can do to help push this along. And so again, just to recap, that's, you know, continue to raise the issue, explore alternative options for local connectivity, and then build a culture of use around digital technologies while they're, they're addressing the connectivity issue. Thanks very much, Wayne. It's always good to end our discussion, wrap up with some very practical steps, and I know our, our listeners uh, appreciate that. Thanks again for being our guest on this important topic on Rural Spark. It is something that we want to address from time to time, because as you say, it's not going to be solved overnight. So we will be exploring this further, and we'll stay in touch with you on it. And, and we're interested in other aspects of the uh, Rural Development Institute, in particular, you said around youth retention and uh, youth skills development in rural Canada. So we're hoping to connect with you again in the future on that. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Helen. This has been a, a fun, fun interview and discussion. And, and I agree. Um, I, uh, I think there are a lot of other both related to rural broadband and other development conversations that need to keep happening. So thank you very much for, for having this conversation and, and through your podcast, continuing to raise this and other issues related to rural development. And thanks to everyone for joining us this week. Please drop us a line with your ideas for upcoming episodes at info at ruralspark.ca. The Rural Spark team includes content producer Catherine Murphy and technical producer Tara Seaberth. Music by Jason Shaw. We wish you all the very best for the week ahead in your part of rural Canada.